Oh, somebody lift up your voice, lift up your hands, and just shout unto God. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Amen. Good. Tremendous spirit of worship here tonight. And uh, I am incredibly thankful to be in the house of God tonight. Anybody feeling thankful to be in the house of God tonight? I'd like to direct your attention to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 15. Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, and verse number 11. And this is, of course, the parable of the prodigal son. We're going to jump in in about the middle of the story. Pastor and I today uh, didn't compare notes, but we were both in a parable state of mind, so to speak. If you were here this morning, you know that it was a tremendous message on the parable of the treasure hidden in the field. And tonight we're looking at the parable of the prodigal son. Luke 15, 11, if you have that, just say amen. And Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. I just want to pause in the reading at verse 13 and point something out that I'd never noticed until this afternoon when the young man asked for his inheritance and received it early. He didn't walk out the door immediately. But he received his blessing and then it was a few days later. In verse 14, and when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I'd like to preach from this subject. There's bread in my father's house. There's bread in my father's house. Now I know with a title like this and a text like this, some of you think that I'm not going to be preaching to you, but I promise you I'm going to preach to everybody in this room before we get done tonight. Put your Bibles down, lift up your hands, and let's ask the Lord to be with us. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your anointing would rest upon us. I pray that you would help me, a frail, a frail messenger, Lord. I pray that you'd help me to deliver your word with confidence, with boldness, Lord. Lord, I pray you'd give me strength. 
In the name of Jesus, touch every heart to receive it. I pray that the seed would be cast onto good ground tonight. And we give you praise. We give you glory. Would you just clap your hands to the Lord one more time and just stir up an atmosphere of faith for just a moment? If there's any praisers in the house, I wish you'd just stir up an atmosphere of faith for just a moment here. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Blessed be your name. Amen. Thank you for standing out of respect for the word of the Lord. And you can be seated. The parable of the prodigal son speaks directly to backsliders. People who squander their spiritual birthright for the fleeting sinful pleasures of the world. The prodigal son demanded his inheritance and left his father's house. And Jesus indicates that this prodigal lived off the residue of his father's blessing for an unspecified amount of time. He wasted his inheritance on riotous living. And when he had spent it all, a mighty famine came upon the land where he was residing. Sin can be fulfilling when you are living off the residue of a past blessing. Carnal living is enjoyable until the famine comes, and the famine always comes. Satan will make sin easy, convenient, and enticing until you squander everything that God gave you. He'll put it on your cell phone. He'll put it in the grocery line when you're checking out at Walmart. Satan will do everything in his power to give you easy access to sin and failure. And Satan will also do everything within his power to hide the consequences of worldly living until you squander all of your birthright and all of your inheritance, and then and only then the famine will come into your world and hunger, spiritual hunger, will grip your soul. And so the only job that this parable, in this parable that this prodigal could find was feeding the pigs. He went to work for a man who couldn't even feed him or pay him properly. At this point, he was basically a slave in a foreign land, working for pig slop and half-eaten husks of corn. And that is exactly what sin does. It beats you down like a slave until you're so filled with condemnation. You're tempted to do disgusting, unspeakable things just to survive another empty, hopeless day. And in the middle of his failure, in the middle of his hunger, literally a time of starvation, desperation gripped his heart and gripped his mind when suddenly it dawned on him, there's bread in my father's house. He said, in my father's house, even the servants have bread enough to spare. The servants have leftover bread. They eat 
all they want until they're full and then there's bread left over and I'm sitting here in a pigsty starving to death when there's bread in my father's house. When he remembered the bread, someone shout the bread. When he remembered the bread, he decided to go home to the father's house. Now it's important to remember that the story of the prodigal son is a parable. Everyone said a parable. A parable told by Jesus. It's not a true story. And every detail of the story has a deeper meaning connected to a spiritual reality. The entire parable is intended to teach a deeper truth, but the hearer or the reader has to be willing to dig into the depth of the story to find what Jesus was actually saying. Clearly, the prodigal represents a backslider. The father represents God. And the father's house represents the church or the house of God. But what does the bread represent? Jesus didn't say that the prodigal longed for steak dinners, the chicken parmesan, or his mama's famous fried chicken. He craved the bread. We know that Jesus was the word made flesh. He was the word incarnate. But Jesus also referred to himself as the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life sent down from heaven. The bread I give is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. When the word of God is preached, it is the bread of life being broken and distributed. When we preach the gospel, when we preach Christ crucified, buried, and resurrected on the third day, we are literally preaching the bread of life. When Jesus fed the 5,000, the Bible says that he blessed the bread. He broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples to distribute. That's what preachers do when they preach the word. They take, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. They take the bread that God has blessed and that God has broken. God gives them that broken bread. And then it is the preacher's responsibility to carry that bread to every hungry person that is willing to receive the bread from heaven. I wonder if there's anybody here that loves the bread of heaven tonight. The precious word of God sent down from heaven. Praise the Lord. Prodigals are not coming back to the father's house for the music. The world has plenty of good music. Prodigals aren't coming back to the father's house for the shouting or the dancing. The world does plenty of shouting and plenty of dancing. They aren't even coming back for the family or the friendships, even though all of those things are good. All of those things are important. I believe in singing a new song unto the Lord. I believe in lifting up holy hands. I believe in dancing before the Lord and shouting with a voice of triumph. 
But the thing that is going to draw prodigals back to the house of God will be the word of God, the preaching of the word, the bread of life that is blessed and broken and distributed in the Father's house. Preaching is the most important thing that happens in the house of God. This would be a good place for an apostolic to shake yourself, wake up, and say, Amen, preacher. When someone is about to grab their blessing and squander it in the world, they start taking the bread for granted. The bread's too hot. The bread's too cold. The bread's too loud. The bread's too long. The bread's too sweet. The bread's too salty. The bread's too bitter. Like the Israelites murmuring about manna from heaven, future prodigals start hating the bread. They despise the bread. They leave it on the ground just like the Israelites did. God would send the bread in the wee hours of the morning and they wouldn't even bother to bend over and pick it up until God says, if you don't want this manna from heaven, I'll allow worms to fill that bread until it does you no earthly good. If you're not careful, God will send manna into your life and yet you will not receive the sustenance, the strength, and the power that it can provide for your soul. Somebody needs to shout, preach the word, preacher. Give me some fresh bread. I need some manna to make it, preacher, because I need the bread of life. I didn't just come to look good and do my little dance. I didn't just come to check it off my spiritual box. I came to hear a word from heaven. I came to hear the word of the Lord. I came to be strengthened. I came to be renewed. I came to be convicted. I came to be touched. I came to be challenged by the word of God. Ha ha. People who are on the road to becoming prodigals, they despise the very thing that is keeping them alive. So when the bread's being served, they wander around out by the welcome center or they play on their cell phone. Or they whisper in their neighbor's ear instead of receiving the bread. Anything but the bread, they say. Or they'll just get bread on Sunday morning. It's the Sunday morning only bread kind of folks. And then they skip Wednesday night bread. And they skip Sunday night bread. Because they're tired of the bread. They don't want the bread. Just give me enough to make it and future prodigals sitting in the house of God. To them, the bread is bland. The bread is boring. The bread is uninspiring. They'd rather get substitute bread in a movie theater or on a television screen from Hollywood. They're looking for substitute bread in all the wrong places. But to a true child of God, the bread is always fresh. The bread is always alive. The bread is always real. The bread always brings power. The bread is always inspirational. The bread is new every morning. The bread is what sustains them. The bread is what keeps them. The bread. 
Amen. Is why they keep on coming to the Father's house. The bread, the bread, the bread, the bread. Future prodigals leave the table while the bread is being served. And they long for the spices of Egypt. They may even be in the house, but they're not enjoying the bread because they're too busy longing for the fish that they used to get back in Egypt. But they forgot the bondage that they lived under in Egypt because they've enjoyed the bread for so long. They forgot what the chains of the world felt like. They were born into the father's house just like this son. I'm preaching to somebody who's grown up in the house of God. You were born into this thing and you don't even know what it feels like to be in the middle of a spiritual famine. And so you long for things that you you don't even understand. You long for the spices of Egypt, but you don't understand that Egypt comes with a price tag. Egypt comes with a slave master. Egypt comes with bondage. Hallelujah. There are borderline prodigals sitting in this building every Sunday morning and every Sunday night who want the blessing, but they don't want the bread. But you can't have the blessing without the bread. The bread of life, listen to me now, is the blessing. See, some of you think the bread of life and the blessing is just getting a little chill up and down your spine. That is not the blessing. That is a product of the blessing. That is, <laughs> that is an evidence of the blessing. But the real blessing is him crucified, buried, and resurrected on the third day. The real bread, the real blessing is the blood that was applied to your life when you were lost and unworthy. The real blessing is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The real blessing is the fact that you can lift up holy holy hands without wrath and without doubting. The real blessing is that God didn't allow the devil to kill you dead. The real blessing is that you're able to clap your hands. The real blessing is that you have a voice and you can open up your mouth and shout hallelujah. The real blessing is that the doctor told you you were going to die with your disease but God healed you you and now you have a testimony it's your bread 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 the bread is the blessing I'm trying to help somebody. You're on the road to becoming a prodigal. You're just on the verge of backsliding. You haven't even admitted it to yourself. But you don't love the bread anymore. You don't care about the bread anymore. It's all about getting an ooey gooey chocolate chip cookie feeling. But it's got to be more. It's got to be more. It's got to be more. You've got to love the bread. You've got to love Jesus. You've got to love the word made flesh. You've got to love the preaching of the word. 
that's alive. You've got to love conviction sometime. Nobody's going to preach with me now. Now, some of you aren't going to believe me when I say this, but I appreciate conviction. All right, about three people agree with me on that one. I said, I appreciate conviction because the word is like a hammer. And sometimes that word has to break some things in your spirit in order to put it back together again the way it ought to be. Sometimes the word is like a sword. It's got to divide some things asunder in your spirit so that you can have a spiritual operation, so that you can come out on the other side the way you ought to be. If I have a cancer in my body and I go to the doctor and the doctor says, I'm not going to do surgery on you because the surgery is going to be a little bit painful. I'm going to sue that doctor because if the doctor can go in and cut the cancer out of my body then I want him to go in and cut the cancer out of my body what kind of church would we be if we were not willing to go in with the sword of the spirit and have some surgeries every once in a while sometimes I need the preacher to get the sword of the spirit out get the scalpel out and cut the cancer of carnality out of my life cut the flesh out of my heart because I need to be alive in Christ. I need to walk in the Spirit. Every time a preacher preaches, an anointed God called preacher, let me just throw that in there. A lot of people call themselves preacher. They're, they're no more called of God than Humpty Dumpty. Is that okay? Just because someone says something doesn't mean they are. We're all old enough to know that, aren't we? But when a God-called preacher preaches the word of God, God blesses it, God breaks it, and God multiplies it. And there is enough for everyone. Listen, listen. There's enough for everyone who is truly hungry. What a preacher cannot do is make you hungry. A preacher can provide the sustenance that you need from the throne of heaven, but he cannot make you hungry for it. Let me just get real plain for a moment. Some of you are thinking, preacher, you've already been pretty plain, but let me get a little plainer. If you find midweek Bible studies boring, you're wrestling with the spirit of the prodigal. If you'd rather be out roaming the halls than receiving the preached word of God, you are wrestling with the spirit of a prodigal. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody's going to help me in just a minute here. If you find every excuse possible to avoid preaching, you're fighting the spirit of the prodigal. And if you let that spirit grow, if you allow that spirit to fester, God will allow you to wallow in a pig pen until you crave the bread again. 
God will allow you to go into a situation that is so drastic, so dark, so scary that it will cause you to wake up one morning and all of a sudden you'll remember what it was like in the Father's house and all the things you used to despise and all of the things that you used to hate and all of the things that used to be common and all of the things that used to be boring to you, all of the stuff that you used to yawn to and fall asleep to all of the sudden you're gonna say there's bread in my father's house if I've got to go back and be a servant in the house of God if I've got to go back and be the least of these in my father's house it would be better for me to be among the servants than to be here in this carnal world sitting in my own failure, longing for pig slop, longing for half-eaten husks of corn, longing for another hit of cocaine, longing for just another sip of alcohol, completely in bondage, totally addicted, completely depressed and without hope. But in my father's house, in my father's house, there's bread, there's anointing, there's healing, there's preaching, there's deliverance there's worship there's praise there's faith there's prayer in my father's house somebody clap your hands to the Lord if you're thankful for the father's house if you're hungry for the bread of life you ought to open up your mouth and begin to thank God for the bread I don't want to take it for granted Lord I'm hungry for the bread I'm hungry for the bread I'm hungry for the bread. Oh, God is working on somebody's heart right now. Hallelujah. If you let the spirit of the prodigal grow, God will allow you to endure such a profound spiritual famine that even a crumb of bread from the Father's table will seem like a feast from heaven. Hallelujah. Even a crumb, just a drop, Lord, that's all I need. But I've got a word for somebody tonight. You can be a prodigal who never leaves home. You can be a prodigal who repents before you ever go to the pigsty. You can realize that spirit is growing. I'm on my way to squandering my birthright, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go ahead and allow God to refresh me right now. I'm going to go ahead and let God convict me right now. I'm going to go ahead and let God do a work before I ever have to go. Because we can learn, we can learn not only that the father will come running for the prodigal who leaves home and returns. I wonder if there are any prodigals in the house tonight who could just clap your hands to the Lord and say, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that, that you received me. You saw me coming down that long, dusty road. And I thought you were going to reject me. I, 
I never thought you'd throw a party. I never thought you'd put a ring on my finger. I never thought you'd kill the fatted calf. I, I never thought you'd do all of that. I didn't, I didn't expect you to throw out the, the red carpet, Lord, but, but you received me. You took me in your arms and, and you held me and you said you're my son and you finally made it home and we're going to celebrate and we're going to rejoice because one soul returned to the Father's house. That's a powerful lesson. And there's people in this room who ought to be running the aisles right now because the Father ran out and greeted you. The Father didn't reject you because of your failure. The Father didn't throw you out just because you squandered your birthrights. He received you. He loves you. And that's a powerful story. That's a powerful story. But there's another story to be learned. We can learn a lesson from the prodigal son. And that is when you realize that spirit of the prodigal is gripping your heart. You can catch yourself. My God, I'm going to help somebody right now. I'm preaching right into somebody's spirit right now. You're on the verge of trading your birthright in for a bowl of soup, a bowl of beans. You're on the verge of trading the bread for a bowl of beans. But I want somebody to understand, you don't have to go down that road. You can repent right now. You can stay where the fresh bread of heaven is. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You don't ever have to take the blessings for granted. As the musicians come, stand with me, closing. Hallelujah. I need a prayer warrior to lift up your hands right now. The, there's a work being done in the spirit. Come on, prayer warrior, lift up your voice. I need someone to pray in the spirit. I need someone who knows how to pray in the spirit right now. We're waging spiritual warfare right now. There is a soul on the brink of leaving the Father's house. There's a young person who's about to squander their birthright. They're about to trade it all in. Ha ha. I hear the sound in the spirit. The gates of hell are trembling right now because the church is doing spiritual battle tonight. I'm serving notice on hell tonight. You can't have our children. You can't have our marriages. You can't have our young adults. You can't have our young people. You can't have our singles. I rebuke the devil in Jesus' name. Take your hands off our children. Take your hands off our families. Take your hands off our grandchildren. I rebuke it. I rebuke it. I rebuke it. I rebuke it. Now, I want to close with this. And then we're going to pray. We're going to. We're going to shake some things in the spirit tonight. I feel it. But I want to read Job 15 to you and contrast two passages of scripture and then I'm closing. 
This is what Job said. A dreadful sound is in the ears of the unrighteous. In prosperity, the destroyer shall come upon him. He that believeth not that he shall return out of darkness. He has no hope that he'll ever come out of darkness. And he is waited for of the sword. He wandereth abroad looking for bread. Saying, where is the bread? He knows that the day of darkness is ready at his hand. That's the prophecy for the unrighteous. But Psalm 37 and 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and I am now old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. <laughs> You're never going to see a child of God begging for fresh bread because there's bread in my father's house. I said there's bread in my father's house. There's enough bread for you there's enough bread for your children. There's bread for your children's children. There's bread for your husband. There's bread for your wife. There's bread for your grandma. There's bread for your grandpa. There's bread enough for everybody because God is blessing it and God is breaking it and God is multiplying it and he's giving it to his messengers and they're carrying the bread to everybody who's hungry. Everybody who's hungry can have all the bread that they need. I wonder if there's somebody here tonight and you want to come in and stand in the gap for a backslider, a prodigal, you ought to run to this altar right now and pray for their soul. You ought to weep in this altar for their soul. You ought to travail in this altar for their soul. You ought to believe there's bread enough in the Father's house. If we'll keep the bread fresh, if we'll keep preaching the truth, if we'll keep preaching it boldly, if we'll keep being unashamed of the gospel when they come home the bread will be ready come on prayer warrior keep the bread fresh keep the anointing fresh and now 